Founders, welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in. All right, founders, welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are joined by Wilfred Gomez, the co-founder and head of operations of SQL. SQL enables companies to supercharge their human capital management. And if you want to hear more about how they started this company, what this company does, and uh, Wilfred's journey uh, throughout the founding and growing of this company, you can actually go back to episode number 58, where we did a deep dive on him and his company. And he is a part of our round two interviews, where we're going to do more of a deep dive on Wilfred himself. And so, Wilfred, we are so pumped to have you on the, on the podcast today. Thank you for being back with us. Oh, I really appreciate you having me back, Drew. Awesome, uh, Looking buddy. forward to it. Me too. I've been, I've been excited about these round two interviews, and they've been going so well. So uh, here's what I would like to, to start off. So much of business, just like the first, when you get married or have kids, these responsibilities often show us, self about, show us things about ourselves, right? When you're in a responsible situation, when you're feeling pressure, when you're having to lead people, you learn stuff about yourself. And so I'm just curious over the years, what has business taught you about yourself? I think ultimately for me, it it's really about knowing yourself, knowing all the different things you value. Like, you know, for me with family, loyalty, trust, transparency, um, those are some of the, the, that's like my North, my, my North star as sure. far as the relationships that I cultivate both in my personal life and professional life. So really being authentic to yourself um, and being genuine about how you work with the world um, is really what, you know, enables me to build and cultivate relationships with, you know, my employees, my team, my customers, and even the folks that I have in my personal life. So business has been something that has revealed your, your values? Mm -hmm, definitely. Have you ever had a time where it felt like those values were being uh, challenged in business? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I'd say like in the early days when you're really just focused on keeping the lights on and building the team, um, you know, you may find yourself compromising on some of the values kind of just, you know, for the financial reasons. Um, but, you know, ultimately, once we got over that hump of viability, you become a little bit more clear on what's good business versus bad business mm. right? and what's good for one may be bad for others and vice versa. Um, but ultimately, once we started embracing the way we want to do business, what we want to offer to the market, the value that we bring and using some of those, well, really our corporate values as really the litmus test to determine successful relationships. That's what really, you know, allowed us to embrace our company and the type of customers that would likely find success in this relationship. Yeah, that's interesting. So it's not just a, who are we in this situation, but at some point you're also evaluating the customer fit, right? Saying, are they aligned with our values? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Because, you know, the last thing we want to do is enter into a relationship with a potential customer and for it to feel like work. Like we have to live the partnership instead of just preaching it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel that, do you feel like in your line of work, you can get a sense of that pretty early on in the 
maybe in the courting process of is this going to be a customer or not? Or do you find that out a little later into the engagement? Um, given that I am still involved in, in the sales process, uh, I typically ask the various leading questions that give me at least a higher level understanding of what, what their goals are and how they typically go about attaining those goals mm. and really digging deep into, say, the personality of this customer. Um, and yeah, ultimately, I would say my success rate is pretty, pretty much in the 90s. Like, obviously, things still slip through as far as like a bad read. Um, but ultimately, you know, for those bad reads, we fill our obligations. We try to provide the service that they were, they were seeking, uh, exceeding their expectations. But beyond that, you know, we do a, uh, an evaluation at the end to see, okay, was this a good experience? This is how we felt. This is how you felt. And, you know, let's decide on next steps, whether it be, you know, here's, here are other competitors or rivals that we have within our ecosystem that may be a better help to you. That may be a better fit. Yeah. So, yeah. I like, I like that. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I want to keep getting, I'm going to keep asking some questions just to get to know your personality a little bit. If, if someone were to come and work really closely with you, mm -hmm. right? Let's say this week you hired somebody that's going to be, you're going to be collaborating with them a lot in the role you're in. What is a cheat sheet that you would give them about working with you? The cheat sheet would really go back to, to my values, you know, trust, transparency, professionalism. Um, really, you know, the only step you really should be taking is your best, best step, best foot forward. That's, that's the only step you should be taking. Yeah. So my expectations are high on the folks that I work with, really at the same level of expectations that I place on myself. Um, you want to need to desire to be better. Like you want to look back on yesterday and feel that you've, even though it may be incremental or even minute, you need to feel like you, you're in a better place today than you were yesterday. Yeah. So, yeah, so go ahead. So how do you prefer more like with, with individuals like that? Do you, do you prefer more collaboration? Like you'd like to talk a lot, discuss things out, or do you prefer more independence? Like, Hey, let me give you the, the high level marching orders and you go and knock it out. Don't need much handholding. Uh, the latter. So ultimately, you know, my job as say the leader of this organization is to ensure that the folks I work with understand the values and are able to propagate down that message to the folks that work with them or even the customers that they may, they work with or the partners that we deal with. Um, as far as the tactical type activities associated with the goals I may, you know, assign them to achieve, they have full freedom to do so. Like as far as, you know, flexing their creativity. Um, like I'll, if folks come into the door and they are part of this SQL community, they've earned my trust. Mm. So I need to allow them to, you know, spread their wings to do their thing. What's the potential downside or what's maybe the blind spot that you have to watch out for with your leadership style? Um, obviously, like, you know, my, my mantra in the past, and I think it continues to this day, is um, I'm never going to ask someone to do something that I haven't done before, right? Um, so that enables me to be an empathic leader, right? So I understand the challenges, and I know you're gonna face them. I've been there before. So it allows me to connect to my people. 
But ultimately, you know, I've only lived so much life and there's a lot of things I haven't experienced myself. There's yeah. a lot of paths that, you know, I chose not to take or haven't taken as yet to which, you know, that type of philosophy actually represents a blind spot in some cases, mm. right? Because I'm never going to be the be all end all of knowledge, right? So um, in those particular cases, they may run into issues that or challenges that I've never faced before, right? And they may handle things in their particular way that I may not necessarily agree with if I were in that situation. But ultimately, I hired them to perform this role. So I need to trust their judgment um, in terms of dealing with these, these type of issues or challenges or slash obstacles that they may face. Is that difficult for you or kind of easy? Does it feel easy for you to just trust them in that situation, know that's the philosophy you have, or is it emotionally difficult sometimes? Um, honestly, it's been a work in progress for me. And I yeah. think it's more in more recent times I've started to embrace that that idea that, you know, you just have to trust your team. Like, you know, they went through the, the various vetting processes to get into the house. Now they're part of the house. So allow them to, you know, do their jobs and mm. to kind of fulfill their role. Yeah, that's that's definitely one way to weaken a team's dynamic is if they feel like they're not being trusted, right? Mm -hmm. If you keep coming, swooping in, taking something away or changing things versus empowering and trusting, that can start to really weaken that connection. Yeah, exactly. So I got to live the truth as well, right? You know, I can't just preach all these values. I got to live them as much as my team does, right? Absolutely. Now, you mentioned earlier, which I love, the value for getting a little bit better every day, right? Mm -hmm. A good day would be something, even if it was incremental, you felt like you were growing, mm -hmm. but I also know we have bad days. We have Definitely. those those days we're not in the we're not in the zone, or maybe our head's not in the right place, or we're overwhelmed by something. Do you ever have days like that? And if you do, how do you think about them? How do you navigate days like that? Oh, definitely. So yeah, everyone has bad days. Not every day is going to be a good day. In some cases, it's not going to be a good month. It's not going to be a good year. <laughs> like you know, given this whole COVID situation. Mm. Um, but ultimately, you know, as a leader, you have to always kind of remind yourself to step back. Right. So, you know, over the course of the past, I bet we've been around for about six years now, uh, for 80%, even 90% of that time, I was actually working inside the business. I'd be doing some client work. I'd be helping out with the team, you know, managing the team, doing all the administrative work, you know, wearing all the different hats possible within the context of the business. Um, but I've only started to come to the realization that, you know, by working within the context of the business, um, I guess the be best analogy would be, you know, I'm the captain of the ship and I'm running down to the engine room to make sure the engines are good. You know, making sure the guests on the ship or the crew is good. Like, you know, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and feeling that, yeah, that was part of my job, part of my responsibility which is true to a certain extent. But while I'm off running around, you know, taking a look and reviewing some of the, the various functions of the ship, no one's actually at the helm <laughs> um, navigating. Yeah. So really, you know, just going back to that idea of kind of realizing what my true role should be. If I'm going to be the captain, I got to be the captain. 
I got to work on the business and not necessarily in the business and entrust the people that I have, the team, the consultants to perform what they signed up for yeah, and to, and to trust that they're going to execute. Are you still in a little bit of a limbo right now? Because you mentioned earlier, you're still involved in the sales process. I know you just got back from a business trip where you're going and, you know, meeting up with a client, which again, it's, I think it happens in stages where yes. the balance kind of shifts from one end of the spectrum slowly towards the other. Do, are you kind of in that limbo of part of my time is still in the business and part of my time is now on the business? Uh, we are in that limbo that like, if anything, it was this, really this summer or really at the beginning of the fall where I'm, I just, you know, I attended and attended a specific fellowship event that really highlighted a lot of my blind spots mm. as far as how I should really be looking at the business. Um, and kind of recognizing that how, the various activities that I was performing in the past, while it was a necessary evil at the time, isn't necessarily a place that requires that anymore. Mm. So it's really putting the plans in place and putting things in motion to really start stepping away. Um, you know, as far as still performing some of the sales function, I enjoy that, right? So I know that that's going to be something that I'm going to hold on to, at least for the, for the short to midterm, because that's really my opportunity to kind of sell prospects on the idea of this is what it is to work with us. This is what it is to partner, right? In, in our opinion. So really being able to speak from the heart, our values, and for them to know that this is coming from the top. So this is the tone that's being set for the, for the organization, for the relationship, and how the team operates. Yeah. So you go to that meeting and or event or whatever it is, and you have mm -hmm. that realization, oh, I've been looking at the business this way. Actually, I need to be looking at it this way. Sounds mm -hmm. like the working on versus the working in is a, is a big theme. What, were, what are some of the maybe decision-making frameworks that help you to discern what are the things I'm going to start delegating versus the things I'm going to keep doing. Okay. So one of the big things that, you know, I kind of recognized was really taking an inventory of the different things that I do, say on a weekly basis, right? There's recurring type activities like meeting with the team, doing one-on-ones, reviewing, you know, professional development plans and, you know, making sure that if there's any, uh, obstacles that may exist within the team's way, what could I do to help to remove those obstacles so that they could kind of move forward? Um, and, you know, that's really, you know, the personnel type area of my job or what I was doing or what I do do. Um, in addition to that, obviously, over the past five, six years, we've accumulated a lot of good relationships, a lot of good clients that we've continuously worked with over and over again on various initiatives or really on a recurring basis at this point. So I would kind of bucket that into that account management area mm -hmm. where you know, I'm not necessarily hunting, but just continue to cultivate this relationship that, that we've built. Um, I do enjoy that those aspects of my jobs, of my job, right? Um, I enjoy watching my consultants develop into much more holistic professionals and really stepping up their game. Like there's, there's a sense of pride that I get from there. And as far as the account management aspect, yeah, I love the fact that we have repeat customers. 
as they come back and because the the outcomes were great, the relationships are solid. You know, I, I get joy from that. It's really just um, affirming our approach. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it, I just came to the realization that just because I can do this doesn't necessarily mean I should be doing this. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily, although I enjoy it, it doesn't get me up in the morning. Mm. It, does, it doesn't excite me. Like, is this the best use of my time given the role that I play within the company, right? So as a, growing up in the consulting world, I, I used to pride myself on being able to wear many hats. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. I know. All, I know. I could be have both range and depth in a particular area, which is great as a consultant because it's not you know past the hot potato with a client. Like I'll be the one stop shop. Um, but within the context of business, like there's a reason why there's a sales organization, a finance. Uh, consulting and slash operations. Yeah. Um, once you get to a particular point of you know the proverbial ladder, like it doesn't make sense to wear the multiple hats. There are people that love doing those things. Yep. Um, they get joy out of building consultants and really you know developing the various plans to ensure that you know these folks know what they have to do within the context of their current role and where what they need to get to, to get to that next level. And that's what gets step up. That's what get those individuals up in the morning. Right? right. Right. So it's really, you know, identifying these things that I do, the various activities and really finding and aligning the right people that are passionate about that within the team. Right. It's huge. Yeah. yeah it's huge. You know, it sounds similar to the, the way we look at it, we use kind of the EOS idea where they talk about moving in the direction of what they would call your unique ability, which is the combination of something you really enjoy met with something that you are very good at. So it's what mm -hmm. I enjoy most and what I'm best at. It's got to be that convergence mm -hmm. would be the direction that you're going to be delegate or that you're going to be elevating to, you know, like on an ongoing basis, step at a time. But the other thing we see is sometimes we actually delegate those tasks to somebody who's not great at it or doesn't enjoy it versus taking the time to say, well, if I'm going to give this away, ideally I'd give it to someone where that's in their unique ability. And now mm -hmm. I'm moving towards mine and they're getting empowered in theirs. That's a real win-win, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, I want to switch gears just for a second. I, I want to keep taking a, a kind of look at you. What if anything, are there any routines or rituals that are key for you getting into kind of a state of flow where you feel like, man, I'm really sharp. I feel switched on mentally, emotionally. Uh, what are some of those keys to getting Wilfred and flow more often? <laughs> um, to tell you the truth, well, over the past, over the course of the pandemic, uh, I got two dogs. So I got two puppies running around the house. Um, does that and, help or hurt? You know what? It, it did hurt in the beginning because obviously yeah. they're pretty demanding. They're like babies, right? Um, but really taking those walks in the morning or walks in the evening, like we're just me, the dogs walking through the neighborhood. Um, and, you know, it, you know, throughout my day, my head's all over the place. My, my mind's always, always running. 
So, you know, when I go take those walks and really step away from, from the computer, where I'm just focused on one thing, like, you know, here's the puppy, you know, going for a walk. That helps clear out the noise. Yeah. So just finding that, you know, that, that type of activity where you could just focus on one thing and allow different parts of your mind to take a break. Yep. Do you ever get that opportunity during the workday? Or do you feel like every hour on the workday is multitasking? Uh, you know what? Like during the workday, I will step away. Like I will, you know, hop on the elliptical for about 10 minutes and just, you know, take a look at the calorie counter or taking a look at the time. Yeah. Um, anything that I could do during the day just to, I guess, filter out the noise and just focus on something very simple, like a timer yeah. or a calorie count. Um, and not to like, I don't put any say, Oh, I'm going to burn like 300 calories in 10 minutes, nothing like that, but really just focusing on, you know, one thing, something benign just to give my mind a rest. Mm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We talk about those as rapid recovery rituals that if you're moving, if you're used to going hard, which most people listening to this and yourself included are going hard every day, you got to think about it kind of like formula one where there's rarely a race that they can make it all the way through the entire race without having a pit stop. Yep. So we have to have these pit stops where we understand what does it look like to put fresh tires on ourselves and to give ourselves some fuel and how efficiently can we do that, right? Is it 10 minutes on the elliptical? Is it a quick walk outside, a bite to eat? Something that allows you to get like an instant recharge so Mm -hmm. that you can dive back in and do good work, right? Exactly. So I'm curious if you've gotten to experiment with this. I know it's a learning curve for me and for a lot of the clients we work with is we'll often start to apply that first, and it makes sense to our personal life, our recovery time. But we don't realize we have the permission to do that to our work time as well. Not Mm -hmm. just a break, but focus, Mm -hmm. right? Where typically in a given hour, I'm answering an email for 10 of the minutes, and then 10 minutes I'm thinking through a problem we're trying to solve, and then I'm going to a meeting, And it's that back and forth that keeps us from getting into that zone. Mm -hmm. And we've started experimenting recently with, can we block off an hour or two a day that those hours can only have singular focuses? Mm -hmm. They've got to be something really important and something that is worth you putting your head down and not thinking about anything else, not responding to anything else. And man, we're starting to see just some really, one, enjoyment in that day because of that time. And two, some like really deep progress, you know, Mm -hmm. like, you really get some stuff moving. Have you had a chance to start experimenting with anything like that yet? Um, to tell you the truth, <clears throat> like, you know, everyone preaches about this whole notion of work-life balance, right? But as an entrepreneur, like those lines are almost don't exist. Right. right? Because this this company for all intents and purposes is really a, reflex, a reflection of myself and my values. And it has tentacles into every aspect of my life so a lot of the things that i do to kind of reset myself like during the business day i already apply within my personal life Mm. right as far as being with the kids being you know with the family um like i will never proclaim to be the best multitasker i know there's a lot of stuff on my plate um but i try not to work on too many things at at the same time if anything, I'll, I'll create my mini milestones, right? So, okay, I've gotten this part done. I got to move on to the next else. It's going to 
fall behind. Um, so on the same token, you know, when I spend time with the kids or spend time with the family, I'm in the moment. Like I'm not thinking about other things, right? Um, like while recognizing there's a lot of balls up in the air, and, but that's the reality of the job. This is the reality that I chose to, to live. And that's okay. Cause I think I'm okay with, I'm okay at it. Like, I think I'm pretty good at it. Yeah. Um, but everyone needs to kind of develop their different styles and different practices that will make sense of the world. Right. So me living in the moment while recognizing a lot of things are going on. Um, but having the confidence that the house will not burn down if I don't get everything done. I just have to pick and choose my battles. Yeah, I'm curious for for a lot of people, myself included sometimes, I know I want to be in the moment and then I find myself having a hard time being in the moment because of the balls in my head that I'm juggling or thinking about. What is something that helps you release that and be mm. present? Is it a way of looking at the world? Is it a way of thinking about hey, I can't control that right now, and you just keep working with that thought until you get in the present? Like, wh wh what helps you really settle into the present? Well, you know, within the context of, you know, say, sequel, um, like, I know there's a lot of things always going on, but I know I, my team has my back. Like, I know I could take these business trips and know that I'm going to come back, and I know there's going to be a catch-up mode to it just to, you know, recalibrate but I know everything's going to be. And, you know, in the early days, you know, taking a business trip, going to a conference or attending offsite meetings where I'm totally offline uh, with, um, with the exception of working with the people that I'm working with on that trip, mm -hmm. it always, you know, provides some level or cause a little bit of anxiety. Like, okay, something's going to be burning. There's going to be smoke somewhere. And, you know, I'm the only firefighter. And that's really, you know, that way of thinking in the early days where you have your hands all over the place. But, you know, at this point in time, again, just kind of embracing the fact that I have a pretty strong team around me that I can handle this stuff. And, you know, having those folks around you, you know, enables me to focus a lot, a lot easier, right? Knowing that, you know, I have a team that will kick ass anyways. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, so I'm, there are a lot, of, despite having a lot of balls in the air, I have a village of people that could catch this. So that really enables me to step back a lot easier and be in the moment. Mm. Because again, it goes back to that whole idea, like just because I can, should I? And if I do, then I'm not allowing my team to, to succeed or to learn or to, to grow um, in those areas. Such a great question. Just because I can, should I? Taking mm -hmm. that extra pause that we often just assume because I can, I should. Mm -hmm. And saying, well, let's question that for a second. Maybe I do, but maybe I don't. Mm -hmm. And it's inviting that question in there, I think is really smart. Um, I'm curious about learning for you. Is that something that you would say is, is important, not important, but the ongoing learning, whether reading or attending you know, conferences, things like that? Like, where, what do you... How do you feed yourself, whether mentally or soul or business? What is the, what does ongoing learning look like for you? Oh, wow. So learning and professional development is like one of my top priorities, mm. really, as a leader and even for my team, right? And that goes hand in hand with, you know, how do you become better? 
So you, know, you only know what you know. Um, but there is a whole community out there that have, has walked the mile in your shoes, that has you know, developed and accumulated all this experience as an entrepreneur, as business owners, as leaders that you could tap into. And um, you know, there's a lot of people that are willing to speak about their experience. Um, and, you know, so recently, um, you know, maybe a few weeks ago, I went to like a fellowship event where, you know, I was sitting with 13 other CEOs discussing our businesses, really kind of opening the books to hear the different things I think about what, where's my blind spots? What am I not considering here? And really starting to develop that type of network of peers. Like being a CEO or president of a company, like it's the loneliest job in the world. It is, right? So, and there's a lot that people depend on you to do, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with being, you know, I don't mind playing that role, but at the same time, I need to make the most informed decisions possible. I'm comfortable with the things I do know, but I'm also, I also acknowledge there's a whole lot I don't, and that's okay, right? So with respect to those blind, set, blind spots that may exist in my knowledge base, it's my responsibility to find ways to shed light into those so I can make better decisions for the company, for the team, um, and how we handle partnerships and everything under the light, for, under the sunlight for the business, right? Yeah, yeah. So whether that be reading books or attending these type of um, these events where I'm meeting with peers and such, like those are extremely helpful for me. Yeah, absolutely. So you have that, that peer to peer connection through either a meetup or a CEO, you know, executive group or a mastermind or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then it sounds like you have maybe reading or something in there. Is that something that you've found helpful to have structured or do you prefer to have it more just uh, spontaneous? Like, Oh, I feel like reading today. So I'll read. Um, as far as reading is concerned, that's where it's unstructured, but having these meetings with, you know, peers and colleagues, I prefer a more structured event where, you know, you have an agenda, you have specific goals that uh, you're looking to achieve from these, these type of talks and discussions, because it ensures that everyone in the room is focused on these specific areas yeah. of discussion. Yeah. Has there been anything in the last year or two you've read that you found to be particularly helpful that would be something you'd recommend to the audience to, to give a read as well? Well, there's actually a book uh, that I read recently um, by an author named Doug Tatum. It's called No Man's Land that mm -hmm. really resonated with me. So it's really this whole idea of, you know, there are companies that are considered high growth. Um, and ultimately, you know, just to kind of allude to that old classic crossing the chasm. So same idea, but it really talks about this idea of the chasm of that, that gap between a, a small successful business to actually becoming that sustainable behemoth if you choose to go there. Yeah. Well, talking about that middle area, what are the different things that could happen you have to consider and things of that sort of stuff that really kind of connected with me because we're about to enter into that area. Yeah. Um, what are the different things I need to consider to, you know, do we really want to be a really big company? 
what will it take to get there? Do we really want, or do we want to be like, you know, what, um, like a small giant being really good at one thing, not necessarily having a thousand employees to do it, but really solidifying our brand and reputation with respect to the area that we service and just being that go-to company to mm. do it. So um, we're really in that or entering into that phase of the organization where we have to determine, okay, what are the different paths that we could take? What are the considerations we have to make? Um, and really making that choice. Man, that's so good. You know, often we don't think about, don't think, we don't, we don't think to ask like what direction, you know, in this middle time do I want to go? We just kind of follow growth sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that's what I got afraid of when I started my business was uh, I told the team, I don't want to create a business I end up hating. So I don't know what that means yet, but I, that's just one thing that I don't want, you know, and I had a friend who created this really big behemoth and he realized that actually wasn't what he wanted. You yep. know, it was very successful, had tons of employees, tons of customers. And he realized for him personally, he'd rather scale the company back down and be that kind of small giant. And it was painful because he built this thing and had to scale it back down. But once he got to that spot, he was like, this is it. This is this is actually what I want, and I think we don't often we always just assume success is going to be uh, be similar in terms of context for everybody. Like, well, everybody wants this. Everybody yep. wants a thousand employees, or mm -hmm. everybody wants to be small. It's like, yep. no, you got to kind of do some soul searching, you know, of who are we and what do we want to be, right? Exactly, because um, you know it, it's easy. Like you know, even you know going through the, the motions of, you know, building the business, a lot of things, like we, we tend to take the, the external definition of success into heart, like, oh, you know, revenue, grow revenue, grow with the top yeah. line, that, that'll that definitely be like a great indicator to how well we're doing. Well, that's only one component. So we can't be singular in terms of what we define to be successful, Right. You also have to do that soul searching to figure out, okay, what does success mean to yourself, right? Within the context of business. Yep. Don't like, obviously you have to be aware of the different definitions that exist out there. So say for instance, you know, how the external market defines as or perceives as value for your organization. That's definitely something you got to think about, but also just as important, what do you value? Where do you want to go? Um, how far do you want to take this? If you take it all the way, is that actually going to make you happy? Is that where you're going to feel fulfillment? Mm. Yes or no? You got to mm. you got to ask those questions of yourself. Right? Yep. Um, so it's a combination of you know your own definition of success and all the different elements from the external market or and such that you know define success as well, and finding that middle ground. Yeah. Yeah, it seems almost like a Venn diagram of sorts, like understanding yeah. the market, understanding different versions of success that are realistic, and then your preferences, mm -hmm. and seeing where that might overlap in some way. Yep, exactly. Yeah, we're right there, man. We've gone back and forth, but I feel pretty settled. I know I don't want a thousand employees. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> just don't. Mm -hmm. um, that's just, I, I realize my personality, my co-founders, all of our personalities Man, we'd rather go deep with a few, whether that's a few customers or a, a smaller team. 
And we and the the fun thing about today though, we were, we were talking about before the podcast, learning how to pull some levers, is you can still pull some levers now digitally, and even in outsourcing certain functions in in a way, it's challenging, but you could do it without necessarily building a giant warehouse, you know, yeah. like a huge office that a hundred people show up to every day. Mm-hmm. You can you can find some ways around that and still grow and scale, but maybe do it in a way that really matches your overall picture of life and desire for your family and those kinds of things, right? Oh, definitely. So, you know, just working with my my network and, you know, different leaders out there, they've highlighted all the different possibilities based on their experience, which yeah. really shapes me as a leader because now I know what I don't know. Um, and it highlights other options I may not have ever considered because I didn't know they existed. Yep. Yep. Um, That's awesome. Well, Wilfred, man, I've got a whole bunch of stuff to think about today. Thank you for taking time to come back on the podcast, share with us a little bit of a peek under your hood, how you think about your, your life, your business. I know I've got some great questions I'm going to walk away and think about. And uh, man, I really appreciate you and your wisdom. Uh, No problem, Drew. Thanks for having me again. Yes, sir. Founders, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results.